Agents Podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by Follow a Boss. Follow a Boss is the real estate CRM that turns every agent into a top performer. Follow a Boss is packed with features, but it's intuitive and easy to use. So agents love working with it and it integrates with everything. Use multiple lead sources. Guess what? Follow a Boss keeps them all organized. Want to try new marketing channels? Switch website providers? Plug them right into Follow a Boss. Visit followupboss.com forward slash lab code to see how Follow a Boss helps you close more deals. That's followupboss.com forward slash lab code. Lab Coach Nation, welcome back to another episode of the Lab Coat Agents Podcast. And it is very exciting today that I get to speak with a very distinguished and accomplished real estate professional and also very young uh, at that. Uh, we are going to be talking to the founder of Dot Loop the current founder and co-founder of a platform called Picasso, which we are going to talk a lot about today. He is a fellow, uh, kind of a Midwestern-ish uh, original origin uh, from Cincinnati. He's got a real estate background, started at the age of ripe old age of 18, studied it in college. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Oh, and by the way, I did notice this about you, Austin. You're also a endurance athlete. I have a passion for that as well. So we share that. I'm going to ask you a question about that. Welcome to the show, Austin Allison, my friend. Thanks, Jeff. It's great to be here. So, so, and now, by the way, I had to throw in the Cincinnati because it's not often I interview people that are in the Midwest. They're almost always on the East Coast or the West Coast, and I'm here stuck right in the middle. And so now you're out in Napa. So uh, you're, you know, you, you joined, you joined the masses, but tell our audience a little bit about your background. Like, you know, obviously I, I mentioned where you come from, but to how, how'd you come up in business? What dr drove you to study real estate in college? That's not a common, you know, that's not a common thing for that students typically follow that you typically follow parents, right? Uh, what led you to where you are today, which by the way, you founded dot loop, like right out of college. Uh, so tell us about, tell us your story. Yeah, so I'm a total Midwesterner. I do live in Napa Valley now because I fell in love with warm weather uh, and couldn't bear the, the winters, but I still consider myself a Midwesterner, uh, still have a home in Cincinnati, all my family's there. Uh, so, so really fortunate to be from that part of the country. But uh, for me, the, the love for real estate started when I was five years old. I had a hammer in my hand. My dad was a carpenter. So I always grew up around real estate. And when I was 17 years old, I saved up some pennies enough to, to, to put a down payment on a home. And that was my first investment property that we bought for $40,000. And my dad and I repaired it together. And then later we sold it. And that became like the, the start of my love for the real estate business. So when I was 18 years old, I immediately went and got my real estate license because I, I thought it would be you know, I had met some real estate agents and and thought it would be a really interesting uh, career uh, and or hobby at the time. And and it was all of that and more. So I sold real estate all through college. Uh, while I was in undergrad, I, I studied, uh, I had a dual degree uh, for, for architecture as well as real estate development. Uh, it was more of a development oriented degree than a than a real estate degree, but very much involved real estate. And then went on to law school after that. And while I was selling real estate through college, 
I found the, the prior real estate transaction process to be very inefficient. This was before electronic signatures uh, and, and even digital forms to some extent had really been adopted in a meaningful way. And I found myself chasing clients all over town to get documents signed on the hood of my car. And that's what inspired the idea for Dot Loop. And the original premise there was, what if we could make buying a home from a transaction perspective as seamless as buying a book on Amazon? And that was the original idea. We, we pursued that uh, and built that business over a period of six or seven years uh, before becoming part of Zillow back in 2015. And then I stayed on at Zillow for, for about four years, uh, left about two years ago now, took a year off and you know, lived abroad and pursued uh, a bunch of bucket list items that, that had, had been in the queue for a while. And, and one of the other things that I did during my time off was spend a lot of time thinking about what I wanted to do next. And that's what led me to Picasso. That's awesome. And so I, I have to ask, because I like to get personal with people, what was uh, what was the coolest bucket list item that you checked off while you took time off? There were several of them. If I had to pick one, I would say that it was living abroad. You know, I've always loved when I traveled abroad for the first time, probably seven or eight years ago to Italy, and we fell in love with it. And we had a, a friend that operated and owns a hotel in Tuscany. Uh, and we just kind of fell in love with this, this little village. So we went and we lived there for uh, a little over three months. We learned to speak Italian. We had trained with uh, an Italian instructor, private instructor for, for several months. And then we did an immersion school in Siena, which was awesome to just totally immerse in a beautiful culture uh, and speak the language. So that was definitely the coolest thing. And then probably the second coolest thing was learning how to fly. You know, I, I became a pilot and then got my instrument rating and absolutely fell in love with that as well. It's just a very mentally and intellectually stimulating challenge. There's a lot of variables and actually flying the plane is obviously part of it. But I would say that the, the actual flying part is really only about 20% of the, the real enjoyment and satisfaction. The other 80% is everything that comes with it, like, you know, trip planning and understanding weather and talking to air traffic control and all the other things that, that come with it. It's just really intellectually stimulating and rewarding. That's pretty awesome. That's something that us, uh, that anybody that's not a pilot would have no clue about any of that stuff. Once you started mentioning, I'm like, oh yeah, there are all kinds of things that go into flying a plane. Totally. So, so last personal question, you know, I, I read somewhere that you're into endurance, like what's, uh, what's one or two, you know, of the, of your, the races you're most proud of, of accomplishing or just, you know, just a feat you're most proud of accomplishing. Yeah. So the one that comes to mind is my, my personal record marathon. So when I was, I basically never grew up running when I was in, in college, I was probably, or just before I'd got into college, I was probably 70 pounds heavier than I am today. And it took everything I had to run a mile in under eight minutes. And I started running fell in love with it, ran a couple of, I basically went and signed up for a 10K. At the end of that race, I saw a booth for the Cincinnati Flying Pig Marathon, signed up for the marathon, trained, ran the marathon, qualified for Boston, went and ran Boston. And then that kind of triggered this, this love for, for marathons. And 
One day I was, this was a couple years after I had started running marathons uh, and I had kind of progressed from like mid threes, uh, like little over three hours in time down to my best marathon was just under three hours. And I was sitting at the Cincinnati marathon watching the, the winner cross the line. And he finished that year in like two hours and 35 minutes or something. And I thought to myself, if that guy can run a marathon in, in two hours and 35 minutes, I can too. And for those of you who aren't runners, a two hour, a marathon in the two thirties is very, very fast. It's like sub six minutes a mile. When you get into that range, you're, you're close to being able to qualify to train for the Olympics. So it's, it's a very aggressive time for, for 26 miles. And I set that goal and I went and I posted on Facebook. I said, I'm gonna run a marathon in the 230s. I published that goal to everybody I knew, including online. I went and I hired a coach and I trained intensively for six months. I was running, and this was at the peak of, of building dot loops. So I was very busy with work, but I woke up at 4.30 every morning trained, you know, religiously for probably two hours each morning. I ran an average of 13 miles a day, hill work, track work, you know, the whole nine yards for six months. And I ran a marathon in two hours and 36 minutes, wow. which so the, the average time uh, was five minutes and 55 seconds a mile for 26.2 miles. So uh, that was definitely the probably the highlight that comes to mind for, for endurance sports. Dude, we, we could geek out on this all, all day long, but our audience can't probably not. There's maybe one or two that are listening or they're geeking out with us. Dude, that's awesome. What was that marathon? The, the one that you did the, the two Columbus, Columbus, the Columbus, Columbus marathon. Ohio. That's very yeah. cool, man. Very, very cool. And for anybody who's not a runner, or even if you are a runner, I set like big goals. And, and one of my biggest was I ran 2018 miles in 2018, which wow. requires the discipline to run on average, like 6.4 miles per day. And it's, it's, it's not the physical feat. It's on the, the, de- the your body. Right. And you've got to mentally get past that and all that stuff. But so I can appreciate uh, my fastest marathon is like 345. So I'm nowhere in, even in your class. That's awesome, dude. I, have you ever done any long, long stuff ultras by chance? No, you know, it's on my list, but um, I'm finding that as I, as I age, it's, it's pretty hard on the knees and the, and the back. So I'm at a point now where I, I don't know if, if my body would really hold up to ultras. Um, I don't think I was actually built to be a runner, uh, believe it or not. Like, I, I feel like I have like pretty thick bones and a, and a fairly thick build and I've kind of forced my body to become a runner body, but I don't know that I could really do long ultras. Um, I, I did get into longer marathons. I do plan to do, or sorry, triathlons. I do plan to do uh, a full Ironman at some point, um, but I've done, I've done several long uh, triathlons, including half Ironman. Um, but that's on the list. I love it, man. I love it. And, and I'm going to just end this part of the conversation by telling our listener, like, this is something that I've always become fascinated with in business with, with it, which is, which is physical feats. Cause one thing I always learned from, from mentors and listen to people speak and listening to uber successful people was that was one common denominator. A lot of them do something right. Triathlons, marathons, biking, whatever. Right. And, um, I, I do believe that because this is completely off topic from what we're going to talk about today. Um, I do believe it's important. So if you're th- listening to this and you know, you want to find success, uh, pay attention to that, what I just pointed out to you, because it is something that's very important. I, I actually got to know Jesse Itzler. I don't know if you know Jesse. And that's where I started down the journey of doing this crazy stuff. Uh, but 
let's 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 go back to real estate now. I'm gonna reel it back in because I, I I selfishly would rather talk to you about this stuff all day. Um, but let's talk about you know so so dot loop. You mentioned kind of what caused you to start that. Then you sold it to Zillow. You went to work for Zillow, which is like a bad word in the industry. So it's interesting to talk to you because we don't usually talk to people that were on the inside. And you've become friends with like Spencer Raskoff, right? And he's a part of Picasso now. You know what is your take on Zillow? Just before we get into Picasso, like what's your take on Zillow? Because you know, you say that word in a room of real estate agents, you're going to get a lot of cuss words and a lot of groaning and a lot of moaning. What's your take on Zillow? And you, you know, you were on the inside. Yeah. So I have I have no affiliation with with Zillow anymore, but I'm very fortunate for the opportunity to have spent four years there. I think it's a it's an incredibly talented team with a really interesting business. But I will say that that having um, grown up from within the industry, like I totally understand all the sensitivities and, and tension that exists between some agents and, and Zillow. And, and at Dotloop, you know, we were basically, we were part of the real estate industry. I mean, we, real estate agents were, were our primary customers. All of our biggest partners were, were real estate brands. We created the company because I was a real estate agent and, and wanted to make the real estate transaction process easier for real estate agents. So I very much, you know, feel like I, I understand and relate with real estate agents. Uh, and I saw that at Dot Loop as, as it relates to how the industry thought about Zillow at the time. But then I got on the inside. And frankly, the reason why I thought it made sense for Dot Loop to become part of Zillow is because I was very inspired by Zillow's mission and by Zillow's team. Um, you know, I'm a big believer that whether you're building a real estate company or a software company or a restaurant, you know, it doesn't matter. I think the most important thing is that the company is surrounded by great people and that those great people are pursuing a mission that everybody believes in. And ultimately, it, it hopefully it's a mission that's that's good for the world. And I think, you know, while not everybody may agree with with Zillow's, you know, approach, I think Zillow is very motivated by improving the consumer experience. And at the end of the day, every great real estate agent that I talk to is frankly motivated by the same thing. Mm -hmm. Like we're all in it to help consumers become homeowners and to realize their dreams. And if there's a way for us collectively as an industry to, to make that process better, I actually believe that that, that is the right thing. And, and I, I think Zillow's intentions you know, are to do just that, to improve the customer experience. So I'm very fortunate for the opportunity to have worked at Zillow, but I also understand that not everybody agrees with their approach. And I don't feel that it's my place to really pick a side there. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I poked it. I poked the bear a little bit. And I agree with you, frankly. I mean, they're, it's, 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 um, they're threatened. Uh, you know, if, if an agent is threatened by Zillow, uh, they need to look in the mirror, in my opinion. And I can say that because I'm not a real estate agent, but I coach and teach them. But uh, that's my opinion, because I don't think if, if you, if you, if you, you do what you need to do, you can make yourself irreplaceable. And I don't think it's going to happen in our lifetime where Zillow is going to replace real estate agents. It's just not going to happen. Maybe years and years down the road, but we'll get off that one too. That's it's two soapboxes I've thrown you into. Sorry about that. So now you've moved on. So you, 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 you went to, you went to college in Cincinnati. Uh, you, you founded dot loop, you, you ran, 
You then chase some dreams. You're relatively young. Do you mind sharing your, what your age is? Yeah, I'm 35. So really young, especially in, in comparison to the average age of you know the real estate industry, right? And so now you're on to you know startup number two. And we're not talking about a painting here. Uh, we're talking about a better way or an opportunity uh, to help the consumer buy a second home that they may not have been able to do. Uh, and so tell us about where the idea was conceived and what is it? Yeah. So the before I get into the specifics of what it is, I should should just highlight that I'm a huge believer in, in following your passion. And that has really inspired my whole life, including my, my professional life. You know, I started Dot Loop because I was passionate about making the lives of real estate agents and real estate uh, transactions more seamless. And that passion is the same thing that led me to Picasso. So here's the story. It was about seven years ago when my wife and I became second homeowners in Lake Tahoe. Prior to that moment, we had always dreamed about owning a second home, but never had access to one. It was, it was merely you know, just a dream that, that was hard to realize because second homes are, are expensive and most people only use second homes five or six weeks a year. So when you start to put all that stuff together, it's just very out of reach for most people. So when you survey consumers, you'll find that the vast majority of consumers over a certain income level um, aspire to own second homes. They just it's, it's just a dream that many of us have once we've satisfied kind of life's basic needs of food and shelter. Um, but yet it's a privilege that's only available to the top 1%. So my wife and I, like we stretched and, and worked really hard to make this second home dream a reality seven years ago. And it just totally changed our lives. Like now Lake Tahoe is part of who we are. We met new friends, we established rituals, we have built so many memories at, at Lake Tahoe as a result of owning this second home. And the experience is so much different than when you go rent a home or stay in a hotel. I mean, it's, it's a, you develop these rituals, like you feel a certain way, you, you feel a sense of pride and accomplishment. You're able to, to get away to a place that feels safe and secure where you can kind of unplug and recharge your batteries. And, and all that stuff is only made possible uh, through a second home. So that inspired this idea, which is what if we could find a way to make second home ownership possible for more people? Because you have tens of millions of families who aspire to own, but are unable to, largely due to reasons of cost. So about half of people surveyed uh, who aspire to own a second home, but don't say that the reason why they don't own a second home is because they can't afford it. They either can't afford a second home at all, or they can't afford the second home that they want. But then there's a, a whole nother cohort of people, call it the other 50% to use simple math right now, that want to own a second home, but just can't justify owning 100% of something that they're only gonna use 10% of the time. So there's a big problem kind of on the, what I would describe as the demand side of this equation. But on the supply side of the equation, there are millions, tens of millions of homes all over the world um, most of which sit vacant, second homes that sit vacant 10 to 11 months a year. So the whole idea behind Picasso is let's bring those two things together. Let's make better utilization out of second homes that are sitting vacant 
by creating a new category. We think of it as a new category of second home ownership that empowers people to buy a portion of a second home and enjoy the second home benefits, but for much less cost and hassle. So we created Picasso to do just that. That's it's uh, really basic, but yet brilliant at the same time. Now, before I get deeper on Picasso, as, as you were talking, I was thinking to myself, uh, because I do own a second home, a couple of second homes myself, actually, and I know exactly that journey that you're talking about. And I was thinking to myself, gosh, yeah, I guess we do only use it that much. And I don't rent. Um, so what it, it's almost it, it reminds me almost of a timeshare ish concept where you're buying into um, I'll just give you an example. Uh, we bought into a property in Key West. We owned, we, well, we originally owned two weeks. We have sold one. We own one, one fifty second of our unit. Is it the same kind of concept to where is, is that, is that what it, is that what it is essentially? It's very different than a, a, your classic resort timeshare there, but I'll highlight a couple of the key differences. The biggest is probably that this is true ownership. So most resort timeshare products, you're actually buying a right to use. Like if you buy into the Marriott Vacation Club, you don't actually own that real estate. What you're really buying is the rights to use a hotel room for one fifty second of the year, which is one week per year. With Picasso, it's true ownership. Like you could snap your fingers and make Picasso go away. Like that's the test that I use. If you could snap your fingers and make Picasso go away, who owns the house? And the answer is the people who bought the Picasso. So our structure is, an, is a professionally managed LLC. So every home has its own LLC and each of the owners just owns their pro rata share of the home through the LLC. So it's like true ownership versus right to use. That's the biggest difference. Second big difference is that these are residential single family homes. So the only way that you can get into one of these homes uh, is to buy the whole thing. There's no other alternative versus resort timeshares tend to be hotel and apartment and resort like products. And in most cases, you could actually go rent the same room through the hotel that you're buying through the timeshare. In this case, that's not, that's not the deal at all. The most, the best analogy is actually what we describe as do-it-yourself co-ownership. And this would be the scenario where a couple of friends or family members decide that they wanna own a house together. And the way that they would go do that is very analogous to what Picasso does. We basically form an LLC, buy the home in the name of an LLC, and then we create, we basically handle all the details. We handle everything from paying the bills to repairing things when they break to providing uh, software tool that enables everybody to share the calendar in a really dynamic and equitable way. Um, so it's actually not a new concept. Like people have been buying houses together for decades and decades, maybe longer. It's just new in the sense that um, we're making it hassle-free. You know, like it's it's very hard to go buy a house with a group of people on your own. Financing is hard. Divvying up the responsibilities is hard. If you want to resell your your share, that's you know basically impossible with without a, a product like Picasso. So we're just taking the old do-it-yourself co-ownership model and making it better and and risk-free and hassle-free for so that people can basically right-size their ownership. 
It's brilliant, man. I love it. I love it. And thank you for clarifying that because um, if I thought it, maybe somebody else did as well. So, okay, let's, let's, uh, let's digress back to get the concept. You buy it in an LLC. Is it mortgaged? Uh, how is the property purchased? So let me just start from kind of the moment that somebody comes into the, the Picasso funnel. If you I didn't, will. I didn't go back far enough. Okay, cool. Yeah. So basically if, if you're interested in owning a second home and, and I'm talking about a, a buyer now, a buyer can come to their real estate agent um, or directly to Picasso and Picasso will engage their real estate agent in the transaction. And they basically can either find a home that's already available through Picasso on our website um, or they could bring a listing to us. So like, let's say that you found a house that you want to own in Malibu and you're willing to buy 25% of it. You could actually bring that listing to Picasso, even if it's not on our website, and we will buy the other half of the home and then sell it to other vetted co-owners. So, so I'll start there with it's very flexible. Listings on our website or go find a listing that you love and bring it to us. From there, what happens is we, we get the property under contract and we purchase it in the name of an LLC that we create, a property specific LLC. Once we close on the home, usually by the time we close on the home, we have half or so of the home pre-sold. And then we sell the remaining half of the home over a period of 30 to 60 days thereafter. But from the owner's perspective, the person that buys into the Picasso, you know, the second that you buy in and the second that we close, you are now an owner of that home through the LLC and each owner gets access to their own owner app. From the owner app, you can see all the like financial information about your house, you know, where the money's flowing because each owner pays their pro rata share of operating expenses. So you can open up the app and see that, you know, 20 bucks of your payment went to the utilities this month. The other thing that happens in the owner app though, is we have a really innovative scheduling tool. We call it SmartStay. And the way that that works is you just simply block time in your home on the calendar and you can do it with very short notice with as little as two days notice actually, or longer notice where you could block, you could reserve time uh, 24 months out, for example. And then what the scheduling tool does is it has a series of rules and algorithms that distribute the requests fairly and, but dynamically across the ownership group. So that if there's four or five families that own a house together, everybody's gonna get most of what they want out of the home, but no single person is gonna be able to like take all the holidays, for example. The system has a way of ensuring that the, the time and the calendar is shared equitably across the group. What about the uh, the investment mindset of it? Because I think a lot of people immediately think, you know, that's what I was, another thing I was thinking was, all right, I'm only going to use it a couple of weeks, four or five weeks a year. I'm going to rent the rest of it. Does this have any component to that? Or is that just eliminating that? It's just simply the second home concept. And you don't have to come up with the entire 20% down payment. You don't have to pay 100% of the mortgage payment. Is there any investment piece in this whatsoever? And the follow-up question then is, because you mentioned it, and I think I know the answer to this, but when you own, if I own 10%, and I want to sell out, you know, how does that work? Obviously, I assume you own that percentage of equity, right? Um, so start with the first question and let's move on to that one. Great. So basically, 
Uh, sorry, repeat the first question. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> so, was- okay. So the, so the first question was, gosh, now you made me lose my train of thought too. Sorry. You didn't I, I lost my own train of thought. It was, a- <laughs> we're, we're getting old Jeff. Yeah. Oh God, dude, I'm, I'm older than you. I'm, I'm in, I'm in my forties. I cracked my forties. So let, let's just go with the equity. I'll, I'll remember it, but let's go with the equity piece for, oh, the investment piece of it. Yeah. The investment. Um, investment okay. Piece of it. So basically, uh, the, the short answer is no, we do not think about this as an investment. If, if somebody is motivated by generating a return on their investment, we recommend that you go invest in the stock market or a public company REIT or something. Um, this is not intended for investors. This is intended for people who are looking to own and occupy a second home for their own personal use and enjoyment. So we, as, as part of that, we actually explicitly prohibit uh, rental activity in a Picasso home. So if you own a Picasso, you, like you're, you're allowed to gift a stay to a family member or a friend, for example, and we call those sponsored guests, um, but you're not allowed to take your share and go rent it out on Airbnb. We just don't allow that. And the reason why is, uh, I mean, there's a bunch of reasons why, but I would say the most compelling reason why is because there's a big difference in an owner's mindset when compared to a renter's mindset. Renters treat houses like renters. You know, they tear things up. They're very, they're very transient in nature. They just, they're there for that weekend and they're not thinking about the long-term. Owners are very different. You know, owners treat their homes um, like they care about the future because they have to pay for it and they do care about the home. So there's a really special difference in a Picasso ownership group when compared to the dynamic that happens in a typical short-term rental. And and most of our owners really value that. As for the other part of your question around, what if I just bought a house and used it five or six weeks a year and rented the rest of the time out? That's a good program for certain people. And, you know, I did that uh, with my home in Tahoe for a while, actually. That's how I was able to pay for it at the time. So if you're interested, but here's what I would say. It's, it's a good program for people who are interested in being landlords because it's work. It's real work. You know, you have people that come into your house and tear it up and steal things and break things and, you know, create nuisance that, that, uh, leads to neighbor complaints. Like it's one thing after another. Hot tubs break at two in the morning and you get calls. Like if that's the business you want to be in, if you want to add a lot of stress and complexity to your life in exchange for some extra income, then it's great, you know, to, to, to own properties like that for income. But what we find is that most people actually aren't into that. And you see it in the numbers as well. When you look at the total number of second homes, less than far below 10%, probably closer to 5% of all second homes are listed for rent on Airbnb or Verbo. Hmm. 90 to 95% of second homes are not rented out. And that's because 90 to 95% of people prefer to not have that stress and hassle in their lives. And Picasso now provides a better solution. So if you're a, what one other thing that I'll add on this point is that when you talk to to people who are doing this, you know, in many cases, except for the, the, what Airbnb would call a super host that has, 
well, actually, Superhost include single home operators as well. But there's there's many hosts out there that have multiple properties, and they're clearly doing it for a business, right? They're doing it to make income, and they're managing a portfolio, and and that's a whole different ball game than the single home owner that's just doing it to help pay for their mortgage, right? What Picasso does is empowers that single home owner that's merely renting to help offset their operating expense. Picasso is now a different alternative that empowers them to lower their operating expenses by lowering the amount of ownership. So it's like you're, you're able to get all that you would get out of owning the whole home, but for much less cost and much less hassle. So that that's how I would, would think about it. You want me to go on to the- um, yeah, yeah, I do, the equity piece, but I want to ask first, is there a minimum percentage that you require someone own? Or if I come yes. in and say, Austin, I want 1% of your home, you know, I want that home in Tahoe for 1%. Can I have it? Uh, no, so there is a minimum. So we split every home into a maximum of eight interest. So you can buy a minimum of one eighth of the home, which is 12 and a half percent, and a maximum of- 50% of the home, because if you're buying more than 50% of the home, we recommend that you just go buy the whole home. Like Picasso is really, and this is one other thing that I'll add on this point, the way to think about this offering on the spectrum of, of uh, occupancy is as follows. If you're only gonna use a home one time a year or once every other year, you should go just rent a home on Airbnb or Verbo or you know any of the other great sites that are out there that, that provide really good transient occupancy solutions. On the other end of the spectrum, if you're gonna use a home more than six months a year, you should just go buy the whole home because at that point in time, the benefits associated with 100% of the control, I think outweigh the savings associated with the, the Picasso model for people who are using more than six months a year. Picasso is really for people who wanna use more than once a year, and less than six months a year. And in the past, there's really never been a good solution for that other than do-it-yourself co-ownership or that accidental landlord use case that we were talking about before where you buy a home and rent it out during the time that you're not using it, which is just a huge hassle for anybody who hasn't experienced that. Picasso is now the solution for that audience. In terms of the, the equity question, so once you own a Picasso, you own 100% of whatever you bought. Picasso retains no ownership in these homes. So once a home is, is fully subscribed, Picasso is merely the manager of the home. Picasso is just taking care of the details so that you can enjoy your home without any hassle, which means that when you go to sell your Picasso, you are entitled to 100% of whatever you sell it for. So the way that that works is, uh, let's say that you, you buy a, a, a Picasso for $100,000. And three years later, you decide that you want to sell your Picasso in Lake Tahoe and you want to start skiing uh, Vail instead. What you can do is just go list your Picasso and you, you basically pick your price as a seller. And then the, the only difference when compared to the normal real estate transaction process is that the other owners in the ownership group have a first right to buy the property for your sale price. So if I decide to sell my share for $125,000, um, the other owners in the group get a first look. If they pass on the opportunity to buy that share, it then just gets listed like a normal real estate transaction. So we partner with real estate agents all over the country. 
We list the home with a real estate agent. It goes in the MLS. It publishes to Zillow and Redfin and the real estate agent's website or anywhere else that their normal listings would publish. And it also gets displayed on Picasso, obviously. And then we find a buyer for, for the new share. And then again, it just transacts like real estate. The real estate agent represents the buyer in that transaction, just like they would a buyer in a whole home. It's just much faster much more seamless and less work for the real estate agent. Wow, that's uh, that's fascinating. So they set the price. The owner sets the price, and they could be you know obnoxious about it because they think it's worth more than it is, or underprice it. But then again, that they the uh, the other owners have the right to it. That's absolutely fascinating. So when you sell it through the market, you know, and you you list it on an MLS. I guess you have to be very clear that you're just, that it is a Picasso, I guess, or that you're buying a percentage of the home, correct? Is that, how does that work? That's right. So when we publish through the MLS, we actually put a little badge on the hero photo that says co-ownership. So if you were to go look at Picasso listings in the MLS right now, you would see this badge. And then in the first line of the listing description, we explain that it is a co-ownership opportunity. So it's very clear to the consumer what they're buying. And interestingly, most of the markets where where we're going to be operating are markets that have a higher concentration of second homes. And in most of those markets, they already have resort fractional offerings as as an option in the MLS. So there's already actually a distinction for this type of listing. Most most people um, probably wouldn't know that unless you're an an operator in one of these markets. So it it works just like a normal listing. I mean, the only difference is the photo and the description. And and as I mentioned, the the workload is, is more like a referral for the real estate agent because we, we basically do the heavy lifting around explaining the Picasso model and the real estate agent does the, the real estate part of the transaction, but we try to make that process very easy for our agent partners. And the other thing, since we're talking about agents and, and we have a big audience of agents here, the other thing that is a really important point, I, I think worth noting is um, just how we work with agents. The, basically, we work with agents on on both sides of the transaction. So for all the Picassos that we have, we partner with real estate agents in those markets to act as our listing agent. They publish in the MLS. And then when buyers come in, those buyers are represented by buyer's agents as well. If a buyer comes in that's unrepresented, we then refer that business to our listing agent partner or partners, plural, uh, in that market. So that's kind of how it works. What our agent partners really like best about this model is is two things. One is that it's purely additive to the core business. So the example I like to use is here in Napa Valley where I live, there's a lot of people who in in San Francisco, which is the the drive feeder market here, there's a lot of people who could afford a half a million dollar second home from San Francisco. The problem is you're not going to get much for half a million dollars in Napa Valley. The market's just too expensive. So all those half a million dollar or million dollar leads that real estate agents have in this market are probably not going to transact into any business at all because there's just no second home inventory that meets their buy box for that price point. With Picasso, it empowers our real estate agent partners to convert those window shoppers into homeowners because with half a million dollars on Picasso, you can buy an eighth of a $4 million home. 
And there's a lot of great homes for $4 million in Napa. So it's really a win-win and purely additive to agents' core business in, in the sense that it empowers them to convert more of their pipeline than they would have otherwise been able to convert. On the listing side, the second thing that agents really love is that Picasso empowers them with a tool to go win more listings. And we call this tool a sell down. So imagine all those second homeowners out there that we described before that own 100% of their home that they're only using five or 10% of the time, but they don't want to sell the whole home because they love it. Therefore, it's not a, you know, that, that home would have never converted into a listing for, for the agent because the seller doesn't want to sell. Well, with Picasso, what you can do is you can empower the seller to sell down part of their home, which empowers the agents to go win listings that would have otherwise not been available uh, had it not been for this new sell down product. And that's a really cool opportunity because if you're, if you're one of these sellers and you sell down 75% of your home, you can pay off your mortgage, put a bunch of cash in your pocket, reduce your operating expenses by 75%, all while retaining the same amount of the home that you would have been using anyway. Mm-hmm. And that's a, it's a great program for real estate agents. And, and we pay, uh, at minimum, we pay full commissions. But in some instances, we'll actually pay bonus commissions to our real estate agent partners, depending on how much business they, they bring through the Picasso system. Wow. Dude, that's, uh, that's insane, man. So when, when, it, when, when you talk about the sell down piece of this, which is fascinating. And I, and I actually wasn't even thinking to go down this path as we were talking. And I'm glad obviously you knew to bring it up when you, when you see this, like that is presenting massive opportunity for agents. I mean, listen, real estate agents, this is huge. Uh, And so do you find, uh, have you seen any agents have a certain technique or strategy uh, to procuring sellers or to kind of making that, you know, uh, how do they market this to where, you know, you kind of put it on their radar that they may have not otherwise known because I have never, I'd never heard of this. That's fascinating and it's brilliant. Uh, so have you seen any techniques there that, that any of our agents listening could take and, and run with? Yeah. So we actually, if, if you go to Picasso.com, P-A-C-A-S-O.com, there's an agent link at the, at the top of the screen. If you click on that agent link, you could basically submit your information to receive our marketing kit. We'll send you the materials that you can use to email your past client database. So that's the That's the first thing that we recommend that agents do is they use these materials that basically promote the sell down feature and they email their past client database and they can also post it in their online communities. So that's what we found to be the, you know, the most effective uh, first step. And then once we, once we build a relationship with, with various agents in these markets, you know, there's more and more opportunity of things we can do together. So some of our agent partners, uh, have now we've partnered with them on mailer campaigns where here actually here's an example so here's a mailer i don't know if you could see it sell half your home can yeah. you see that yeah mm-hmm. so this is a mailer campaign that we did in partnership with uh our agent i don't know if you could see it uh hold on there it is there it is so elizabeth olcott uh keller williams napa valley So this is basically a Picasso mailer in partnership with Elizabeth that empowers people to sell half their homes. And, you know, we're going to do more and more and more of these. And Elizabeth is actually a great example. So um, Elizabeth, I don't know what her current numbers are, but in the first 90 days on Picasso, she made $175,000 from Picasso. And 
she's going to end up making millions over the course of the next 12 months wow. um, because she was a first mover on the Picasso model. And she was, I think she was number like three or four in the market um, before in terms of volume, maybe five uh, in terms of transaction volume. And I think she'll be number one in 2021. She'll be the top agent in Napa Valley because we're going to probably spend, you know, a hundred million dollars uh, that'll flow through Elizabeth in this market in 2021. So, and we want to do that in in every market uh, where there's where there's demand for second homes. So we've we've gone out and we've partnered with with really great institutional investors. We've raised uh, several hundred million in in debt that empowers us to convert whole homes to Picassos. So there's a lot of real opportunity in in the partnership between Picasso and real estate agents like. You know, we're, we've got a great service that really adds value for people who want to own second homes in a, in a smarter, lower cost way. Um, and we need real estate agent partnerships to, to make that dream a reality for, for all these consumers. So it's really a win-win for everybody. And uh, most importantly, though, it, it all goes back to the, the reason why we created this company in the first place, which is about making second home ownership accessible to more people. We actually, we describe the mission as enriching lives through second home ownership. So that's really what wakes us up every day and gets us excited is we want to empower more people to experience what I experienced in Tahoe and what you experience with your second home and what I'm sure many of your listeners can relate to with their second homes. It's, it's a real privilege to be able to, to unlock that second home ownership dream. And that privilege should not be limited to the top 1%. Together, we can make it available to the top 15 or 20%. Of the world and that's pretty exciting that's that's amazing i'm looking at the site now too and they've got a commission breakdown so for you agents under the agents tab you can actually see what this equates to last question and we'll wrap up is there any is there any particular like so if i'm sitting here thinking you mentioned this earlier like i don't think you're coming to st louis anytime soon or cincinnati for example uh, what are the markets like what are you guys looking for and i, I know you said second homes but I don't think you're coming to probably the Lake of the Ozarks, which is a very, it's all second homes there. Uh, tell, tell us a little bit. So that way an agent can put it in their mind. Okay. Am I in one of those potential markets where Picasso might come? Yeah. So um, the way that, that I would think about it is it, if, if you're in a second home destination, Picasso will be in that market eventually. Like right, right now we're technically available and, uh, about 20 markets or so. And by available, what we mean there is we're set up to do business in those markets. We have some agent partnerships already in place and there's enough second home demand that we've gone and we vetted the market and, and we're ready to go. It doesn't necessarily mean we have listings in those markets yet. In terms of the markets where we're doing the most activity, uh, they're mostly West Coast focused at the moment. So several markets in California, places like Lake Tahoe, Napa Valley, Malibu, Laguna Beach, Palm Springs, Scottsdale, Park City, Colorado. Uh, so, so those are kind of the areas that we're most focused right now. And the reason why we're focused there is because we're, we're very demand influenced. We're, we're basically following where we're seeing the most demand and, and, and making sure that our efforts are concentrated there. But over the course of the next six months or so, you're going to see us start to expand in, into more geographies. So if you're an agent in one of these markets, whether it's you know Ozarks or Miami Beach or wherever, you should absolutely reach out to Picasso um, because we could be doing business together, whether it's 
whether it's this week or uh, you know six months from now, I'm not sure. It will depend on a variety of factors. But I would say that um, like if you have clients that are interested, I mean, one way that we can basically start doing business together like right away in a market is if you have a client that is interested in a listing and that client is willing to buy 25 or 50% of that home, we'll buy the other half. And the beauty of that model, I think you could see this on our website. We call this the lead buyer commission. If you bring a buyer that will buy 50% of a home, we'll basically pay you three times on that transaction. So here's how that works. Let's say that you have a million dollar buyer that wants a $2 million home. You'll get paid on the million dollars that you brought. You'll get paid on the million dollars that we buy, the other half, and then we'll actually pay you to relist the home as our listing agent. So you'll get somewhere between two and three times the amount of commission that you would have earned on that million dollar buyer. So regardless of whether or not, the long-winded way of saying, regardless of whether or not you see your market on our website, you should still reach out to us, especially if you have clients that are uh, have a home that they're interested in and willing to buy 25 or 50% of. And then if you're in a market that's not a popular second home destination, you know, like Cincinnati or St. Louis, then think about Picasso as a referral opportunity. You know, people in St. Louis and Cincinnati are absolutely traveling to these markets, you know, like I know a 100%, lot of people. 100%. Yeah, I know a lot of people in Cincinnati that own places in Hilton Head or Myrtle Beach or Florida. Um, so if you're in one of those markets, this is a great referral source. You can refer business out. But the beauty is with Picasso, you get paid full commission, not just a referral commission. So if, you, if you're in Cincinnati and you have somebody that wants to own in Miami Beach and you refer them to Picasso, you'll get paid as if they bought a whole home with you. And it's the workload of a, of a referral. So um, it's a really great program across the board. And then on your point about um, Ozarks, Jeff, I think for the next, call it six to 12 months, most of our activity is gonna be, be in the top 15 second home destinations. But beyond that, like 18 months from now, and certainly beyond that, we absolutely plan for Picasso to be in the, some of these secondary and, and, and third uh, kind of second home markets that have less density in terms of number of homes and number of people, but are very locally relevant. Like Ozarks is very relevant in the uh, to a yeah. lot of people mm -hmm. who go to that market, but it's not as nationally you know, prominent as something like Aspen or Scottsdale. Yeah. Uh, so those second, second tier destinations are hugely important. We just don't yet have the scale to be in all of those markets yet. Dude, I love it, man. I mean, this that just opened up so many possibilities for every agent in the country, because like you said, you're not coming to St. Louis or any other Timbuktu St. Louis type city, but people that live in those cities are buying and you have those. Now, you as an agent have the opportunity to be the buyer's agent for somebody buying in wherever, right? Yeah. I mean- endless that's so cool dude this this is great i mean the concept in and of itself was totally worth a podcast this just took it to another level uh this is great man i think um i think we need to do this again in another six months as you guys have continued to evolve because i think uh we got to get this out there to more people this is really really cool 
A, the concept, like I'm interested, I'm going to start go searching it uh, because I'm a second homeowner and want to be more of a second homeowner. And uh, from a real estate agent perspective, gosh, this is going to create some massive opportunity. Uh, and like you said, maybe it's secondary or like the, like the gal that you mentioned in Napa. I mean, this is, she's going to make a million, over a million bucks doing this. It's going to be a firsthand job for her. So this is awesome, dude. This is great, man. Any, any parting thoughts? Yeah, the, the parting thought would be enriching lives. You know, we like, this is not just about selling homes. I mean, the, the same thing that motivates all of us about like helping consumers to realize their dreams. Now more than ever, we have an opportunity to empower people with a more enriched life. And, and I think that's super, super special. And we could only do it in partnership with real estate agents. So, you know, being a real estate agent myself and having spent my whole career in the industry, you know, I, I have a ton of respect for what everybody on this call does. And um, I'm really fortunate for the opportunity to, to build a business in partnership with the industry. So I, I'm just very excited about the opportunity to enrich people's lives together. So thank you. Awesome, man. So if anybody wants to, to, to get in contact with you, the best place I assume is the Picasso.com. So it's P- yep. A-C-A-S-O.com. Any other places they can find you? Are you guys on Instagram? Are you on Facebook? Are you on yep. any of the social? We're on, you know, all the social channels and our handles are um, at Picasso Homes. So definitely look us up on Instagram. Uh, we usually post, you know, interesting featured listings there. Uh, we'll feature our agent partners from time to time on, on social but the website is the best place to start and make sure you submit your information from the agent page. And that basically puts you in our, in our partner database and we can start sending you materials that you can use to go win more listings and also convert more of your buyer pipeline into homeowners. So I think that's really step one. Fantastic, Austin. This has been uh, amazing. What you guys are doing is 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 uh, is epic. I'm actually kind of now thinking ahead, uh, and I'm going to ask you that question the next time we talk, which is, uh, what's going to be the third startup? I'm sure you've already thought about it, uh, but we'll have to do that on another episode. So I appreciate your time today. Thank you for being on. This is fantastic, guys. Go check this out, Picasso.com forward slash agents if you just want to jump straight to it uh, and go sign up for this. This is uh, this is probably on the infancy level. So you've got an opportunity here. So get it while the getting is good. Austin, thank you so much, my friend. Thank you, Jeff. Today's episode is brought to you by Chime. Chime offers an award-winning sales acceleration platform built for the real estate industry. Powered by artificial intelligence, Chime delivers the data insights agents and teams need to make the most out of the leads they already have and to get to a close faster. Through an expanding partner network, Chime's easy-to-use conversion platform also delivers quality sales-ready leads from the get-go. It eliminates time-consuming manual tasks and helps agents focus on what matters most, building their network, servicing clients, and growing the bottom line. To learn more about how Chime can help you, visit www.chime.me or call 833-682-4463. Agents Podcasts.